Hello and welcome everyone to another weekly market commentary from StashAway. Of course, with our Chief Investment Officer, Freddie Lim. Hey Freddie, how are you? Hey Philip, uh, how do you do? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Um, hey, lots of news over the weekend. Um, you know, we were hoping that um, the stimulus deal was going to be passed. And I think, uh, you know, by the time we're recording this, it's getting really close. I think it already passed the house. Do you want to give the listeners a little bit of an update on, you know, what they can expect from this and what does it actually entail inside the um, stimulus package? Well, uh, some in the U.S. may say that the stimulus package is a joke. Uh, yes, you give a one-time $600 and then a, uh, a $300 per person paycheck uh, thereafter. It really pales in comparison to what other countries are doing. And it came uh, too little too late. Uh, most likely, the stimulus package, uh, you know, new ones would probably have to be renegotiated after Biden uh, takes office. Um, but then what the stimulus package really does is to alleviate concern that a government shutdown may actually happen into year end. Uh, as you know, the U.S. government is always on a perpetual shutdown risk because uh, it's some of the most indebted country in the world and it always is breaking your debt ceiling, uh, the, the statutory debt ceilings, right? And so Congress tends to lump together the negotiation about raising a debt ceiling so they can, you know, borrow from the markets again to finance it. But the ceiling is always revised up and it's always used by politicians as a tool to negotiate. Uh, in this case, fortunately, and the, the, the relief package is lumped together with the government budget and we averted a shutdown risk in the nick of time. But uh, it is too little too late for the for people who is already unemployed for a while and... I personally predict that Biden would have to do more as he took office. Yeah, so that's probably something to look out for for the listeners and investors out there. What's going to happen, you know, starting you know January twentieth when we have the official start date for for Biden in office? Um, that's the U.S. Obviously, the U.S. has been hit quite hard on the coronavirus front. Um, you know, obviously, also uh, vaccination has started, right? But we don't just see this in in the U.S., right? Uh, we see also huge like well we have a mutation in the uk of the virus so that country is going back on lockdown europe is cutting its ties with 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 the uk for the time being right and we also see more flare-ups in regional parts of like you know sydney has some kind of clusters right we, there's some other countries where how do you how do you see this developing and uh, impacting the markets Yes, um, you know, when the virus um, spread enough, spread around a lot, <laughs> it, it, it can mutate um, because viruses would learn uh, from having a lot of data and experimentation on people that to survive, uh, they need to mutate to transmit easier. But doing so uh, would make them also less lethal. So that's the, the upside in this uh, situation is that they're likelier to be less lethal um, but the strain would be easier to pass around and it's going to turn out to be like a seasonal flu in the future. Uh, the UK cases is the first time that it's confirmed the strain is a new strain uh, and that the mutation has actually happened. So it's a first confirmation, but it probably already has happened in the US and other places, right? And so there's concern that um, <laughs> by the, eventually when we get a vaccine, uh, would it still be effective against a mutated um, virus? So that's one question. 
Uh, the good thing is about it is that it's going to be less lethal, right? Uh, so all this uh, <laughs> means that there's no room for complacencies. Uh, we do have to manage the current wave of infections while waiting for vaccines to actually arrive at my arm for a short. Um, but we do, we can't, we, can't, we can't ignore that responsibility. No, I think it's like you said, right? It's, you, you can't let your guard down because every time any country has tried that, right, for a little bit, you got the big flare-ups again, right? So I think uh, that's, that's really something to look out for because we're still in the early stages of the vaccine and supplies are still limited. So let's see how this works out over the next few months. But, you know, as Singapore, you know, is, is a big exporting nation as well. One of the biggest ones in the world is obviously South Korea, right? Yes. And um, their overseas shipments rose less at a slower pace, for sure, um, in the first 20 days of December. What, do you, what, is, what does it tell you? Well, um, uh, South Korean export figure is actually a well-watched indicator for global trade. Um, it's like a gauge for global trade volume. I remember during Trump's unilateral tariffs uh, all over the places, the trade war, um, people gauged the effect on trade looking at South Koreans' export numbers. And this export numbers uh, has actually improved uh, a little bit, but it's doing so at a slower pace. And there was some fear uh, that uh, the recovery may actually start uh, slowing down and may even reverse. Um, if you look at the numbers, um, Exports to China, South Korea's largest overseas market, down 2 to 3% in December to date. Uh, shipment of cars fell 3.5%. Uh, oil products shipment also fell like 50%. So there are some uh, areas of concern and people are sort of uh, very focused on that. Um, I would say that uh, hopefully the start of vaccinations in, in, in countries uh, would raise optimism that Global commerce will resume, uh, but again, it's a very uneven and could be a drawn-out process. We've seen mutation, uh, we've seen vaccine yet to arrive. So uh, we're gonna. It's my view that we're gonna be in this very strange situation in the last part of 2021, waiting for the good news to be shot into your arm and yet not getting it. That little gap where you still have to be very vigilant. Very vigilant indeed. Then final topic, Freddie, before we get to a question from one of the um, listeners from last week is what is an update on China? I know everyone is currently looking on these um, Chinese loan prime rates, right? Um, how do you think, uh, like, what do you think the telltale signs of, uh, of those numbers are and what are they going to show? Well, people look at it because... Um when they look at the, the so-called aggregate social financing numbers, uh, in China is a big one. Uh, it, it is broken. Uh, you, you can see that uh, it's like how the entire society, government, corporates, individual, finance themselves, right? That number is huge. And there seems to be a sharp drop in corporate bond issuance, meaning is corporate not issuing money because they don't need it or because they, they couldn't find uh, takers. So that's sort of the concern, right? And there's a retreat in also longer term corporate loans, uh, the volume there as well. So in terms of corporate, the credit outlook is it sort of getting tighter. And that's sort of got people's attention to the one year prime rate. However, it's going to turn out to be a non-event because the 
People's Bank of China actively manages that prime rate. Uh, at the moment, this seems like into the year-end holidays and into Chinese New Year, where there tends to be less liquidity. Uh, the PPOC would tend to be a bit more active in supplying liquidity. So that will sort of contaminate the signaling from the one-year loan prime rate markets. Uh, you wouldn't see anything there. So I would suggest instead where people look at the underlying uh, uh, lending and borrowing volumes, like bank lending activities instead. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you, Freddie. Um, one question we got from the audience from last week that we wanted to, to address today. I know we had a lot of uh, you know market news today, but for anyone else, if you have any questions, feel free to put them down in the show notes uh, in the comment section below so that we can pick them up next week. But Simpson Toe, he had a quick question, Freddie, for you. He says, with the vaccine starting to distribute over the world, things might become a little bit better in 2021, right? What are some factors that Stashway considers before going back to pre-COVID kind of portfolios, right? So the different stands in the portfolio. Actually, uh, I personally think there's no point thinking about pre-COVID, post-COVID, because even if you go back, you know, the vaccine comes and everybody gets vaccinated, does it mean the world will return to be the same? Uh, I think it's unlikely because... The pandemic has made a lot of changes. Some are permanent changes to how we conduct ourselves. So, for example, uh, technology uh, companies were in the limelight because of pandemic. Um, does it mean that we all get vaccinated, tech stocks would stop doing well again? It's hard to say because we probably realize that we need more innovations. We need to implement more applications of those, those innovations. And, and the world is probably not going to go back to be the same. Whereas in the case of uh, real estate investment trusts, you can argue that you know uh, traffic volume at the malls would be back to before, and REITs are going to do well again. That's probably a good example of going back to uh, before, but not everything would be. So Stash Away looks at lots of factors that does not tell us to go back to the past. We look forward to the future and we let the data take us to the future instead of trying to have a fixed reference uh, point, right? So we look at growth numbers, uh, a, a basket of growth numbers around the world. We look at a basket of inflation numbers around the world. We look at a basket of uh, interest rate uh, numbers uh, across different markets uh, and uh, many, many other leading economic indices and so on. Um, but also, uh, just to qualify it, um, also that the market actually disconnected from the real economy this year. So even while the economy start recovering the pre-COVID level, uh, what would happen to the market could be an entirely different thing because the market was just faster moving. So it's actually a lot more complex than just pre-COVID, post-COVID. Um, we prepare nonetheless based on a large number of data, what they tell us. Oh, that's good. A good question from, from Simpson. I think uh, many listeners were probably asking themselves the same question. So uh, thanks for the insight from you. And thanks for Simpson to answer, ask that question. Thank you, Freddie. Uh, we'll be back with our um, webinars, as I explained on the last video already, in early gen. So look out for new dates and new topics to come up uh, in, in early gen. Otherwise, Freddie and myself will be with you again next week. For everyone, some nice holidays coming up, hopefully. So we wish everyone some good, good holiday cheer and uh, we'll be with you again next week. Well, can I say Merry Christmas to all uh, first in advance. Yes. Uh, and if we don't see you before that, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yes, exactly. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Bye-bye.